Hey, this is Scott Taylor. I am so glad that you have joined us. I'm the pastor of Turning Point Church, and we would love to connect with you. You can connect with us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at TPCGVL, or you could text the word CONNECT to 864-479-4483. We've got a word for you today that I hope challenges you and inspires you. Last week, we began to walk through the book of Mark, and we know that one of the takeaways from the book of Mark last week, chapter 1, was that the good news is for us to share. The good news was something that we were to share, we are to carry, we are to preach the Word of God to those around us. And remember that Jesus, His primary responsibility, His primary purpose here on earth was to preach the Word. His primary purpose was not to go and heal the sick. It was not to go and cast out demons. It was not to go and do all the things that we think Jesus came to do. It was to preach the Word. We know that He would finish ministering somewhere and He would go to the next place and continue to preach. And that's our call. Our call is to continue to spread the good news, to share the message that, and it's very simple because John the Baptist When he was preaching, his primary purpose was Jesus is coming. And the kingdom of God is at hand. And we know that Jesus said that throughout his time, throughout his preaching, that the kingdom of God is at hand. And so it's really, really important that we understand that we are to share the gospel. If not you, then who? Right? Like if you don't share the gospel and you don't invite and you don't share with your coworkers and your neighbors and the people that are around you, then who will? And our obedience starts with the decision to follow Jesus. So we're going to go to Mark chapter 2 now. We know that up through chapter 1, we've seen Jesus. He's already healed. He's already defeated the devil. He's already overcome temptation. He's already cast out demons. I mean, Mark, the book of Mark is an action story. It is a story about what is going on and what is happening in the Word. And so now we know Jesus has done all of this. And then we're coming up to Mark chapter 2 and We see this story that we're familiar with, this event that we're, I'm kind of hesitant to call it a story because it's not a story, it's an event that took place in the Bible. And so we've already talked about this from a different angle and we're going to talk about, touch about it again today. But in Mark chapter 2 verse 1, it says that again he, being Jesus, entered Capernaum after some days and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no room to receive them not even near the door so the house was overflowing people were flooding Jesus brought people to him people will be attracted to the presence of God and he preached the word to them and they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men so his friends bring the man to Jesus and when they could not come near him because of the crowd they uncovered the roof they busted a hole in the roof where he was so when they had broken through they let down the bed which the paralytic was lying and when Jesus saw look when Jesus saw their faith the faith of the men that were bringing their friend to Jesus when they when Jesus saw their faith he said to the paralytic son your sins are forgiven 
Now we focused on this story in the past and we know that this story is one where the four men, they brought the man to Jesus. And we could talk a lot about the four men and what their purpose was and what their motivation was. But here's the thing. These men brought the man to Jesus because the man had an obvious need. He had an obvious physical need. He was paralyzed. His, his body was not functioning, but they brought him because they wanted Jesus to heal the man's body. They wanted Jesus to heal his, their friend's body. But Jesus looked at him and he said, son, your sins are forgiven. And I think here's the problem that we could pull out from that. The needs that we focus on, and we focus on a lot of needs. I used to tell my boys when they were growing up that needs is an awful big word right? How can we make sure that it's not the wants that we have? So the needs that we have, the needs that we focus on are not often our greatest priority. They're, not, they're certainly not what God focuses on. What God focuses on is the forgiveness of our sins. And the forgiveness of your sins is also your greatest miracle. So there's a couple of things we're going to take away from this part of the story that I think is really, really important for us. Because I think it's important that, first of all, we make sure that the things, the needs, the needs that we bring to God are aligned with His desires. Like, I think we tend to get our own desires and we project those on God. Boy, there's a lot of that going on in society. Like, how many people know that if you've got people that are in your life that have issues, they're going to create issues for you? And they're going to project their problems on you. And what they want is they want their problems to become your priority. And if you're not careful, you'll let that dominate your life. And what Jesus knew about this man is, yes, he had an obvious physical need, but his spiritual need was more important. Can I just tell you something? The needs that we have that are here on earth, that are physical, that are temporal, they're, they're temporary, y'all. And what's most important is the eternal needs that you have. Salvation, your soul needs healing. And so that's what Jesus was focused on. It's why he looked at the man and said, your sins are forgiven. So two things that I want to bring out about this part of the story. Number one is Jesus was most pleased that they brought the man to him. They knew Jesus was the answer. Like, we all have problems. We all carry burdens. We all have a weight that holds us back. We all have things that we're trying to carry around. But I'm just here to tell you today that you've got to bring it to Jesus. And these, Jesus knew that they ultimately understood Jesus was the answer. But it's obvious they weren't coming for the man's salvation. They were coming for the man's healing. Not the point. Can I just tell you this today? Even when you get it wrong, if your heart is right, Jesus knows. Like Jesus knows your motivation. When you think about King David, God called King David to become the king. And, and he, God said, you know, man doesn't look. On, man looks at the outside, but God, he looks in the heart. And he knows that David was a man after God's own heart. So God cares about your motivation. 
And it's why Jesus looked at him and said, son, your sins are forgiven. We've got to be teachable. We've got to be able to come to the presence of Jesus. We've got to be able to come to bring it to Jesus. Whatever it is, we've got to bring our problems. We've got to bring our troubles to Jesus. And as long as our heart is right and we're teachable and we're willing to say, God, this is my issue. This is my problem. This is what I'm going through. But God, what do you say? Not my will, but your will be done. That's why Jesus was able to look at him and say, your sins are forgiven. The second thing that we pull out from this part is we tend to take salvation for granted. Jesus gave his life for the miracle of salvation. Think about that. Think about your life and how you live and what you're going through and what you're doing and the fact that you can go through and you can do the thing and you're about to make a decision that you know is wrong because why? You can ask for forgiveness after. We take salvation for granted. Whatever your stance is on once saved, always saved, got to do, got to, God's ready to strike you down, whatever, it's a hard issue, y'all. It's a hard issue. And if you just take salvation and you take what Jesus gave his life for, And the church is part of what Jesus gave his life for. It's why he came to this earth. And we just kind of treat that flippantly, like it's disposable, like we can roll it up, throw it away. We're taking what Jesus came to do for granted. And I just want to challenge you today. Take it to Jesus, whatever it is to you. Whatever you're carrying, whatever you're struggling with, whatever burden you have, whatever the thing is that you are dealing with, take it to Jesus. That's what these men did. They brought the burden, their friend, because let's be honest, they're carrying the guy everywhere he has to go. They have wheelchairs, they had stretchers, they had cots, they had mats that they would carry him in. They had, if the guy was going to go somewhere, they had to do it. And it was a burden, like it was, they were doing it, they were being a good friend, they were doing all, but they brought their burden, they brought it, they brought him to Jesus. There are some of you who are struggling with some people in your life, there are some of you who are struggling with your kids, there are some of you who are struggling with some co-workers, there are some of you who are struggling with people, bring them to Jesus and trust him to do that. So we know that some people in the room had a real problem with it and they were kind of thinking in their heart what's going on. They weren't necessarily saying it out loud, but they were thinking it in their heart. And here's the thing that you can know is that even when you don't say it out loud, some of you think that as long as you have thoughts and you don't say it out loud, that you're hiding it from God. Well, I'm just here to tell you, God knows your heart and he knows what you're thinking. I had a conversation this week with someone who's just been struggling and dealing with some things and life circumstances, and we seem to have a lot of that going on right now. You know, there's cycles that happen in our year, that happen in people's lives. And part of that cycle is in January, you know, we're all gunfire, ready to go, ready to take on everything and do the thing and be the, we're going to lose all the weight and we're going to be the thing we're going to do and we're going to be successful and we're going to get in shape and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, going to, going to, going to. And then, you know, January 3rd comes here and we're like, oh, well. 
Right, we go through these cycles where we're up and we're down, and and what happens in the summertime, whether you guys realize this or not. Look, I've been doing this ministry thing for twenty something years, and what happens in the middle of summer is you're all gung ho about summer, and you're all gung ho about free time, and you're all gung ho about the hot weather. I have no idea why you're all gung ho about that, and you're excited about it, and woohoo! I'm going to get to go swimming, and I'm going to get to take my kids to every single thing I possibly can. And we wear ourselves out. And we wear ourselves down. And what ends up happening is you end up getting low. And then you, life happens and finances begin piling up because you're doing the things that you haven't prepared for financially and you're just stacking on top of your... And you get overwhelmed. And you get overloaded. And you just... So I was having this conversation with this person who's just overwhelmed. Not their, not their fault, not their situation. I mean, this is kind of life has happened to them. Circumstances beyond their control. And I told this person, I said, listen, it's okay to talk to God how you feel. He can handle it. How many of you know the closer you are to somebody, the more plain you can talk to them? The closer you are to somebody, you don't even have to talk to them. My wife knows when to start pleading the blood of Jesus for me. She knows because we've been together now for over 30 years. 30? 1? 2? 30? What? How many? Yep. 31. 31 years, see? Married for 30, been together 31. Like I said, was testing her just to make sure. So we know there were some people that were in the room that were having a real problem with what Jesus did because Jesus looked at the man and he said, your sins are forgiven. And we know that the scribes that were in the room, like they were one of the religious groups that were really upset with Jesus. And the scribes in the room knew that, oh, 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 you can't do that because only God can forgive sins. And so Jesus, knowing what's on their heart, knowing the problem that they had with them, knowing what they were reasoning in their heart, maybe they were whispering. He looked at them and he said, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? And maybe that's part of the problem with salvation. Maybe that's part of the problem with laying in the bed. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep right. Maybe part of the problem is there's no cost to us. And he says, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven. Or, arise, take up your bed and walk. And Jesus said, so you know that what I say is true. That the Son of Man has the power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. So you got to understand, this man was paralyzed, we think, from birth. Which means he would have had no muscle tone in his legs at all. Even if he had been paralytic for five years, he would have had no muscle tone at all. It would have been physically impossible for him to stand up on his own, even if his paralysis went away. But when God heals you and He restores you, He makes you whole. Both physically and spiritually. And that's what you need to take away from this part of the message. Is that when you bring it to Jesus, 
God's focus is perhaps going to be somewhere that yours is not. But I promise you it'll be on what's most important. And the problem is when God's trying to teach us and God's trying to heal us and God's trying to fix what's most important to us, we keep saying, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. And we're like a, like a toddler who keeps arguing and interjecting and yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. But I want you to notice something here. It says the Son of Man has power. Now, Ezekiel was considered, was also referred to as a son of man. But Jesus refers to himself as the son of man. So what he's doing to the people that were in the room that would have understood what this means, because y'all know there's a difference in uh and the, right? The is one, uh is one of. I used to say when I was an associate pastor, I'm just a pastor, he's the pastor. And now I get to be the pastor. But Jesus was saying, the Son of Man. It was a statement of deity. It was a statement that God, I, God is within me. I am the Son of God. The Son of Man is a title of deity. In Jesus, all the fullness of God lives in bodily form. And we've talked about this a lot, like God was 100% man, but he was 100% God. In this example, last week we saw all three, right? The Godhead in one, maybe it was the week before. The Trinity all showed up in one place. And this week we see Jesus being 100% man and 100% God just by the statement where he forgave the man's sins. Because it's a statement of deity. And only God can forgive your sins. And Jesus was saying, yeah, I'm here in the body, I'm here in the flesh, but guess what? I have the power of God and I have the authority of God in me to forgive sins. Jesus is showing that he is the Messiah. And that he has the authority... To forgive sins. Now that alone, okay, yeah, that's kind of words, whatever, but what does authority mean? It means both the power and the right to exercise it. Right? Jesus has no jurisdiction limits. Think about that. He can cross state lines. He can cross county lines. He can cross international lines. Like there is no limits onto what Jesus can do. And Jesus is showing that he's Messiah and that he has the authority. He's already demonstrated the authority over Satan when Satan tried to tried to tempt him. Get out of here, right? And he did it through God's word and it's the reason God's word is so important in our life today. I just need to tell you something. Maybe somebody in the room, maybe somebody listening, or somebody you know needs to be listening. Maybe the problem that you have in your life in living for God. We're going to address some things today. Maybe part of the problem you have in living a full, successful life for God is that you have a hard time believing God can forgive you because you can't forgive yourself. You're not God. And sin is not yours to forgive. 
You don't have the power or the authority to do it anyway. You just simply have to accept the truth. And that's the hurdle a lot of people have to get over. Is accepting the truth of God's grace and His mercy. Jesus fully embodied the deity of God. And He was the picture of truth and grace. So we've got to remember that. Jesus saw their faith. Listen to me. I think it's really important to point out here. Jesus saw their faith. Remember what it says? He saw their faith and he looked at the man and he said, Son, your, your sins are forgiven because of the faith of those around him. Their faith didn't save the man, but it did bring, it, bring him to Jesus. Sometimes you can believe for people. Sometimes you can pray for people. But ultimately, you've got to bring the problem to Jesus. You've got to bring the people in your life to Him. You've got to do your part. We say this a lot. Do all you can do so that God will do what only He can do. And only God can forgive your sins. So we know that our call, our role is to to proclaim the good news. What is the good news? It's what God has done for you. It's salvation. It's the fact that Jesus came to this earth. He lived the perfect, blameless, sinless life. He was placed on the cross for your sins. He was placed into a tomb. He was resurrected and now ascended to heaven. And He sits at the right hand of the Father so that the Holy Spirit can live inside of you so that you can have A relationship with God Almighty. That's the good news. But listen to me. The good news isn't a Bible story. It's the story of the Bible. Like everything in the Old Testament matters. Regardless of what some preachers say. Everything in the Old Testament matters because everything in the Old Testament points to the New Testament and it builds the fact that Jesus came. The good news isn't a Bible story. I think the problem is sometimes we get the kitty book with the pictures on the front and the pictures on the inside and we read it to our kids and we tell a good Bible story and we talk about all of that and we don't have that approach when it comes to kids' church, but we like to do those things. And then we sort of, we sort of just put all of that into the Bible story. Jonah, well, that's a kid's story. No, it's for you. Adam and Eve, well, that's a kid's story. No, that's for you. Right, like all the things in the Bible point to Jesus and what he did for you and his purpose to come here for you. And the good news is yours to share. We believe in life change around here. Like life change is important to us. Can I just be vulnerable with you for a second? The problem with, not a problem, The challenge in pastoring a church like ours is that when you're focused more on life change than sheep swapping, life gets messy and ministry gets messy. And the good news is life changing. We've seen that here. But it's it's life changing when you receive it yourself and when you share it. 
And I think this is the part that we need to focus on in the last half of our year, is sharing the good news and our responsibility. Because what it does is, yes, it also changes the lives of those around you, but it also creates accountability for you. And that's something that we're missing in our society today. Say it again, tweet that, post that, whatever. Everybody post-COVID knows somebody that has left the fellowship. Everybody post-COVID knows somebody that has walked away from their faith. Everybody knows somebody that has said, you know what, maybe this Christianity thing's really not for me, or they've kind of just dwindled down, or they've sort of allowed their bad habits they had before to become a lifestyle after. Come on, I'm telling the truth. And I'm just here to tell you something today. For those in the front, those in the back, and those who are online, those that are listening and those that need to be listening, you cannot be a successful, connected Christ follower. Because that's what we want to be. We want to be a Christ follower. Amen? Because it changes direction. And not be part of the local body. So let me say it together. You cannot be a successful, connected Christ follower and not be part of the local body. Last several weeks, it's summertime. It's July in South Carolina, so it's the weather. Nothing matters less than a a five-day forecast in summertime, right? And when I'm riding around, I'm seeing a lot of downed trees and a lot of tree limbs that are side of the road, in middle of the road. Like, remember we had that gully washer a couple of weeks ago? Like, it poured, 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 poured. I was out during that time riding around, and man, there were trees down across the road everywhere. And here's the thing about a tree being down. This is right after it happens. What do you notice about the tree? The leaves are still green. If there were fruit on this tree, the fruit would still be hanging. The fruit would still look good. The fruit would still look like But you leave that a couple of days, weeks. I'm not a person that knows these things. It'll stay green for a little while, but eventually what's going to happen is this part right here is going to turn all brown. This part's going to start rotting and falling away. And the, the, the fruit that would be on it's going to start rotting and falling off. And it's not going to be any good. And it's just kind of sneaky happens. But here's the problem. The tree, when it's in this situation, won't recover either. You are important to the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is important to you. But listen to me. It's got to matter. Like it's got to matter. Like it's priority we've been talking about. Levi, Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Matthew, called Levi, he accepted the good news. 
Jesus walked by his tax collecting booth with the Roman guards standing behind him and to, to make sure that he got done what was needed to be done. Jesus walks by Levi, walks by Matthew, and he says, hey, come follow me. Matthew goes, okay. This was a big deal. Because what you may not know about tax collectors at the time is they were traitors. I'm not saying IRS agents are traitors. God bless y'all. My name's Jamie Vernon. <laughs> but Levi accepted the good news and it changed his life. But tax collectors then would have been traitors. Tax collectors then had to make a decision. And the decision they had to make was to leave the life that they knew. Because when they become a life, when they become a tax collector, they were walking away from everything they knew. They were no longer welcome in their social circles. They were no longer welcome in the synagogue. It was a decision to leave behind everything they knew. And this wasn't just something where a Roman soldier yanked them up by the back of the collar and said, hey, you're going to be a tax collector. No, no, no. They had to pay to become a tax collector because it, it was so profitable. And what these tax collectors did is when Rome would come in and they would take over a town and they would take over a region, they would get these people to become tax collectors. They would get the locals to give up everything, to sell their soul to Rome, and they would become a tax collector and they would walk away because they knew who had what. Oh, Nick, he's a fisherman. So I'm going to keep an eye on him because he's a pretty good fisherman. And I know when he goes fishing, he's going to catch extra fish. And if he only gives, if he only pays taxes on five, but I know he really caught 10, oh, I'm going to know that. And we're going to enforce that. And I'm going to collect. And then I'm going to get a little bit of. And they would give up every relationship they had growing up. They had stuff. They got rich. And what ends up happening is you've lost the influence of those you came with. And now you're hanging around all the other traders, all the other tax collectors, which was, you know, if you read the Bible, it'll say tax collectors and sinners. Like they weren't even in the same category. They were a whole nother category by themselves. So they were low, man. They were low. And listen to me. These tax collectors had to hang around one another. And that's what happens. Birds of a feather flock together, right? But... I want you to notice, and I put Levi on purpose. I didn't put Matthew. Because Levi, God bless all the teenagers. God bless all the kids in the house. Because when you come, when you come out and you're first born, there's so many high hopes. You're sweet. You're quiet. You cry when you need to be changed and you're ready to go eat. Right? And then you get to about fifth grade. And you go to middle school. And like your head spins like this. And you got like stuff coming out of your ears. And your parents are thinking, my Lord, what has happened to my child? Amen, parents? You, you just wait. Levi was born. He was named after the priestly tribe of Israel so he probably grew up in church he knew all the things he was religious he knew all the scripture he knew that he knew that he knew and he did thing he was even named you know he got a good bible name Levi but something turned him something made him make the decision to walk away from what he knew to pursue what was wrong 
done a lot of that over the last few years. I'll be honest, I got people in my head right now, right? Something caused it to happen, but what? What would happen? Maybe it was somebody fail. Maybe, maybe it was just lack of depth. Maybe he had his own issues and he kind of self-sabotaged all the relationships and he said, nobody's reaching out to me, but yet you got the, and you won't talk to anybody and you won't answer anybody's text and you won't do the thing and you're just all mean all the time. Who knows? And so the Pharisees now were mad at him. So you got the scribes, now you got the Pharisees. They're mad at him because Levi, his only friends that he could have were other tax collectors. But the good news not only changed his life, but it changed the life of those around him. So Levi throws a big party. He brings everybody in. They're eating and the disciples and Jesus are eating with him because whenever Jesus came, he wasn't hanging out with bad people. He was changing bad people. And when Jesus heard it, that the Pharisees were talking, the Pharisees were running their mouth. When Jesus heard it, he said to them, he said, those who are well have no need of physician, but those who are sick, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is our call. We could do things different and we could sheep swap and we could do the whole thing, but we're not called to do that, y'all. We're called to reach those who don't know Christ, those who have been away from Him. You're never too messed up to follow Jesus. Just bring your mess to Him. Right? Like Levi could have given up. Levi could have walked away. Levi could have said, I can't follow you, Jesus, because I'm a tax collector. I can't follow you, Jesus, because I don't want to give up my... I can't follow you because I don't want to make that sacrifice. I can't follow you, Jesus, because I am who I am. I have done what I've done. But he got up and he followed... He knew that even as messed up as he was, he was not too messed up to follow Jesus. You just have to bring your mess to him. And that's what I would encourage you to do today. Is don't get caught up in your mess. Please listen to me. I'm an 80s kid, right? And in the 80s, we had televangelists that failed and we had televangelists that messed up and that hadn't stopped. Now it's social media. Everybody, anybody can be famous. Don't let the the mistakes of someone else keep you from following Jesus. Have your relationship with him. Come on, stand with me. If you're listening to me today, you're on the podcast, you're online, I want to encourage you to text the word connect to 864-479-4483. Let us connect with you. If you're ready to take your next step and see what's next for you and following Jesus, text the word next to that same number, 864-479-4483. And I just want to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you call the broken. God, that you call those that are unqualified. God, that you call those that aren't perfect. Thank you. You call the messed up. You call those who have made mistakes. And God, you make us right. Because you and only you, God, can forgive sins. 
Now, God, help us to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to know we're praying for you. If you're listening to it, watch us online. We'll see you next week. Come back. Those in the room, look around. Plenty of opportunity to text somebody and invite them to church. Ask them where they've been, right? But we thank you. This is your dismissal. They're going to sing us out. Let's celebrate God's goodness. And for those in the room, today is National Ice Cream Day. So we got fat boy ice cream sandwiches for you in the foyer.